where guys get together to shoot the breeze and talk about our favorite movies and the lessons they teach us about being a man. Just a quick intro, I'm JB, I'm a husband, father of two, and a son and a brother. I'm not an expert on any of those things, but I do the best that I can. I have a passion for film and a passion for discipleship, so why not mix the two? Movies can teach us a lot about life, and that's what I want to dive into. So let's get started. Joining me is my friend, the Curinator, <laughs> Curry Morris. What's going on, Curry? Hey, man, it's good to be here. I appreciate the uh, the Curinator shout out. I, I don't always get that, but I feel special now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's easy to remember, so just throw it out there. I love it. We don't we don't get that many people with cool nicknames, so. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes it a shameless plug for my content, so hey, that works. I'll take it. yeah there you go i'm glad you could join the show for these movies that i had actually never seen before Uh, i think we had talked about that i'm I'm still getting caught up on a lot of action movies that i've missed over the years so i'm glad i was able to check these out before we go into that why don't you go over just some of the stuff that you've been watching recently oh man i feel like i've been kind of all over the place recently i was going through the predator movies uh because prey just came out so that's been kind of fun i've always been a Pretty casual fan of those, but I always watched them with my brother growing up, so that's been fun. I am currently on a rewatch of Dragon Ball Z, which I'm a big anime guy, not as much as I used to be. A lot of people grew up with that, so that's been fun. And I've been doing uh, reviews of all the films that come, came from that. I've been releasing one every day, and so that's been a fun little journey. Kind of been, oh, gosh, neck deep in that the whole month, which I guess by the time this releases, it'll been some time since that happened. But yeah, so I've been going through a lot of stuff with my wife. Romantic comedies. I just watched Fried Green Tomatoes for the first time. Never seen that. It's one of her favorite movies. But uh, I'm working on the 365 film challenge this year. So trying to hit 365 movies at the end of the year, one for each day. And I'm at like 272. So I'm like 48 days ahead or something like that at the time being. So I've been watching stuff. I've been on my watch list forever. And it's been fun, man. Just kind of all over the place. And uh, some friends and I. From high school and my one of my brothers we have a film club we meet every month and whoever hosts we get to show two movies and my buddy he just showed the original assault on precinct 13 and the movie called turbo kid so uh we watch some really obscure stuff sometimes there's some like big blind spots so it's been cool kind of just diversifying what i'm typically watch yeah so the 365 are you doing 365 new movies that you haven't seen first time watches or just like movies in general just movies in general, uh, okay. because I'm I'm more prone to rewatches than new watches sometimes yeah. because I just like revisiting stuff I love each year. Yeah. But actually looking at my stats on Letterboxd, it's been like literally half and half this year. Like, mm. uh, it's I, not intentional. It's just been like I'm at like right at 50 percent for both right now. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's I would I would really like to be closer to half and half because I don't do a whole lot of rewatches mm. because my <laughs> so weird. My heart wants to do more rewatches, but my but my head, my brain won't let me because mm. my brain sees all these lists, all the AFI lists, all the, the best picture winners and like all these movies that I've never seen before. And so I'm just like, I got I got to watch all these, you know, <laughs> like, it's just my, my brain will not let me yeah. do it. So part of the problem is my, my wife is not a big, she was not a big movie watcher before we got married. And so I feel like I've had to rewatch everything I'd ever seen with her (laughs) so she could experience it. So that's part of it. But I don't know. I guess it's more of like the comfort movie thing. Like, you know, it's like, man, I haven't watched you know Lord of the Rings in a while. Like that's my favorite. You know, it's like, I try to watch those once a year. That doesn't always happen anymore because they're so long, but I don't know. I'm trying to trying to expand out of that though. I'm terrible with keeping up with new releases outside of like the big tentpole movies. Like I'm not the guy who will keep up with all the A24 movies. I may hear about them or read about them, but I may only see like one or two. And but I'll see all the Marvel movies and stuff like that. I'm a little bit of a shill sometimes for comic book movies and stuff like that. But <laughs> hey, somebody's got to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I pick and choose my new movies. I don't go to the theater a whole lot because. Yeah, it's just expensive, and I, I stopped doing the A list thing because I just <laughs> not, I just don't want to pay twenty dollars a month and have to make myself go to the movies. You know, I've got kids and I've got stuff going yeah. on. I just I, it's hard. So I'm lucky. It definitely if I go changed to the when I became a parent, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'm lucky if I go to the movies once a month. That's 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 a good month, you know. Right. And it's even better month if I can go once by myself and once with my kids. You know, mm-hmm. wants to see something good that I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but I will say I did watch the DC 
Super Pets with oh, my kids. Oh, how was that? Oh, man, it was so good. Okay, so cool. Good. I have not gotten to see it yet. It's, Mine's it's not quite fun. young enough. He's not quite old enough to go to the movies yet. So I was like, uh, I want to see this, but I'm not going to like, you know, kill to go see it. But I've heard good things. I'll definitely watch it. It'll be on HBO Max soon enough, so don't worry about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But man, I've I've actually, in the last week or so, I've watched quite a bit of, or I've watched a few musicals. Because, well, when Olivia Newton-John died, I watched Xanadu, which was her big uh, yep. production from the 80s after Grease. And it's really kind of silly and dumb, but it's just, <laughs> I loved it, man. Like, I just loved all the musical numbers and all the stuff that they were yeah. doing. And to see a 60-something-year-old Gene Kelly out there in roller skates and skating with all these 20-year-olds, I'm like, man, that's a that's a dude right there. <laughs> like, yeah, he was just That's a, a man. Yeah, that is a, that's a man. Cause ain't no way I'm getting on some roller skates when I'm in my 60s. It ain't happening. I don't want to get on my roller skates now. I was going to say... <laughs> Absolutely not. Me and wheels other than a car don't go well together. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So I watched that, and I've been going through a lot of Best Picture winners. I've been seeing you comment on that on a few posts and stuff. So I watched Man for All Seasons, which was great. Okay. I watched Amadeus, which I had not – I watched it when I was in high school. One in my music, one of my music classes that I had, and mm-hmm. she showed us that movie. It's a three-hour movie. I don't know. We watched it earlier this year. We have like a scratch-off list on our fridge. It's like a hundred movies you should see or whatever. Yeah. That my wife and I are going through. We watched it earlier this year. It was good. Yeah, yeah. And I've been going through a lot of uh, Judy Garland movies too. But well, the latest couple that I've watched were the Harvey Girls, which if you like musicals and you like westerns and you like Judy Garland. That is the perfect movie for you because it's a well, Western musical with Judy Garland, and it's so I loved it so much. Yeah. But my favorite new watch that I had was a Judy Garland movie, and it was in the good old summertime. Mm. If you've ever seen the Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. from like I think it was 1939, I think it was 10 years earlier. This movie is basically exactly like that movie, but it's a musical. <laughs> nice. And. and and it even says it in the description. It just says the musical version of Shop Around the Corner, which I didn't read that description when I watched it beforehand. <laughs> like, what is that? So, so I'm watching it, and I was like, this is just like Shop Around the Corner. Did they just totally rip this off? And then yeah. and then I finally, afterwards, I read the description. I was like, oh, that was, they did it on purpose. Okay, cool. <laughs> at, least nice. they, at least they gave you know a shout out. Yeah. And I guess the last one I'll, I'll touch on is uh, one that I had not seen in several years, and I didn't remember anything other than he ate a whole bunch of eggs, and that was Cool Hand Luke. Okay. And you want to talk about a manly movie, man. That's <laughs> right up there. And Paul Newman has this stick where he just always plays the coolest freaking character yep. on screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, between Butch Cassidy and his character in The Sing, and you know, Fast Eddie, the pool player, like he's just—he's always this cool guy. Yeah. But and this movie, Cool Hand Luke, he's that—that's him, man. That's just his style and that's his persona, and I love it. But it's really—it's—it was on the AFI 100 Years 100 Cheers list, which is kind of funny that it was on the 100 Cheers list because it's a, not really a cheery movie, mm-hmm. at least not if you're going by. Have you seen it? I don't want to spoil anything. I have when I was little, but I don't remember it. I used to watch a bunch of old movies like that with my dad, and a lot of them, I'm like, I mix them together a lot. <laughs> when I thought about it, I realized why it's considered, you know, one of you know the, the best feel good movies out sure. there is because there's a lot of what he does throughout this film brings joy to these people in the prison, and no matter how it ends, he brought life to that prison, and he and he made all these guys better. And then he left this legacy behind. So it was very enlightening to watch it through that lens, knowing that it's supposed to be a feel-good movie. I mean, yeah. you know, so it's pretty cool. Cool. Definitely check it out. It's my. It's probably a top. It's right up there with you know Shawshank Redemption and. I was going to uh, say the Great Escape for me, as far as oh, prison Great Escape movies goes. Both both great prison movies there. <laughs> have you ever seen? Just speaking of Paul Newman, that reminds me. Have you ever seen uh, Exodus with him? No. It's about, oh gosh, I'm fuzzy on the history around it. It's about one of the conflicts in the Middle East, Israel-Palestine. And uh, it's a very long movie. And I remember very distinctly when it was on TCM one time growing up, my dad and I stayed up until like 2.30 in the morning 
you understand, I was like 12 or 13, so it's a huge deal. And we watched it, and it's very thematically like heavy movie. But if you've never seen that, that's a one of my favorite Paul Newman movies. Highly recommend. I will definitely check that out. Okay, I see it here. Yeah, it's not like a crazy action movie or anything like that, but it's a kind of like an epic drama. Nice. Yeah. Ooh, two hundred and eight minutes. Yeah, it's a long one. <laughs> that's that's a two day watch. There's with that. Yes. Hit. Yes. <laughs> it is. Cool. Yeah, I'll. I'll I'll be sure and check that out. And I see it's streaming on Canopy, which I actually have that, kind of. I just discovered Canopy like a month ago. Yeah. Actually, because of you, I think, with the, um, the silent film, like movies that it was like 48 logs or whatever you could log if you watched the <laughs> one movie. I did that. I went through all of them. I reviewed and ranked all of them uh, <laughs> because I was like trying to, I was behind on my like 365 watches. And because of that, I got way ahead. That's like 70 movies. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them are only one minute long, but you know. <laughs> oh man, I was so happy. I was like, I can get ahead and take a break. Because <laughs> a movie a day is hard. It's just, it's hard. Yeah. But, yeah. That's actually how I discovered Canopy. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's a cool app. If, you're, yeah. if your library has it. Mine doesn't have it, but I... Mine doesn't either. I use my sister-in-law's. Yeah. Mine has Hoopla. And so... I have a friend who has his library has canopy, but it doesn't have hoopla. So we exchanged logins. I don't, nice. I'm probably not supposed to say that on air. I'm gonna can edit this part out. out. <laughs> <laughs> My sister-in-law lives in Baltimore, so she has access to like all the huge libraries, like stuff, and she lets us use it all the time. So. Well, Ideally, I'm actually paying for it with my taxes, so I can share it with whoever the heck I want to. So, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Well, without further ado, let's talk about these movies. We're talking about The Raid and The Raid Two, two martial arts. What would you call these movies? Yeah, they're the first one's like an inverse Die Hard, like Assault on Precinct Precinct Thirteen, like throwback, like '80s action movie, kinda. Mm-hmm. Uh, with like Hong Kong influences, with kind of like the grit of a of a, like American action movies, and the second one is that more like epic scale action martial arts movie mixed with like heat and like Godfather elements and like oh, yeah. crime crime drama stuff. Could definitely see some Godfather, yeah, yeah. And, um, and heat. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, because it's kind of like an explosion of genres. Because you got, I mean, it's mm-hmm. very crime drama i mean you, you get that aspect of it but you cannot call these dramas because there's so much going on like it's just yeah. so much action yeah and they really like i showed them at my film club i mentioned i actually showed them when it was my month like two or three months ago no i think it was like a couple weeks before you asked me about hey do you want to be on again and i mentioned the raid i just watched them and i showed them back to back because we do two movies in an evening or whatever, and watching them back to back, it almost feels like one like four and a half hour movie. Because you know the second one picks up right where the first one ends, which was a cool experience. That's cool. Yeah. And full disclosure, these are the second one is my favorite like action movie of all time. It might even be in my top ten. Like period. I, I I'm a huge fan of this genre, and these movies really. I'll get into some of this more later. They really changed the game uh, for the industry in a lot of ways. That a lot of people don't know about. I think the first one is a little more rewatchable, but I think the second one really takes the premise of what it could be and really finds its footing. Where the first one's a little bit more simple in execution, the second one's very grand. But I love them both. Uh, two of my absolute favorites. Well, I mean, the first one's more rewatchable because it's like fifty minutes shorter. <laughs> that too, <laughs> <laughs> like almost almost an hour shorter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I mean I get that you know but sure when something's right at it you know a hundred minutes long I mean that's easier to watch but I I I'm with you though I preferred the second one mm-hmm. I mean if I was to watch them again I think I think I would watch both of them and because I, I mean I really I really enjoyed it because like you said it's on a grander scale and there's a lot mm-hmm. a lot going on man <laughs> yeah it's a very it's a very deep movie a lot of people watch it thinking they're just gonna get the first one but like as an undercover story. And I'm like, Oh, it's so much more than that. Like, it's not like a cheap sequel at all. Yeah. It's it's very intentional in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So what made you want to talk about these movies? And first of all, tell me when you first watched them. Yeah. And what made you want to talk about them? So when these came out, 
I follow IGN.com. I read their stuff like all the time for video game news, comic book news and all. And I've been doing that since I was in high school. And occasionally they just review this like random foreign film and the raid was one of them. They gave it like a nine out of 10. And I was like, oh, wow, that seems kind of high for this like random action movie. And I started seeing high reviews elsewhere. And then I saw an advertisement for it on TV. I was like, that looks incredible. So I uh, found somewhere to watch it online. <laughs> somewhere probably uh, that was free <laughs> back then. Uh, I think I was a senior in high school. Yeah, it came out in 2011. Yeah, so I was a senior in high school and uh, watched it and was completely blown away. Like just by, I'd never seen choreography like that. I'd never seen fight scenes look so real and be so visceral at the same time. And I was mesmerized by how well they looked while keeping the camera wide and just how well directed it was in the action. Then when I went to college that fall, in fall of 2012, they did like a foreign cinema weekend at our campus theater and I actually got to see the first one on the big screen hmm. uh, which was a really cool experience with my buddies that I lived with on my dorm and then the second one came out in 2014 it had a very limited USA release in theaters and Wilmington North Carolina had it and I got to go see it it was me an old couple and two gentlemen behind me and the old couple walked out after the opening scene <laughs> <laughs> so it was me and two other guys that got to experience this movie in theater so I feel like a lot of people I know that have seen these have, didn't get to see them in theaters, and I got to see both, so it's like I feel very lucky. That's um, really cool. Yeah, I think the the fight choreography after you watch these it kind of spoils you because it raises yeah. your expectations. Like if you go back and watch, you know, a lot of '80s action movies, '90s action movies, the choreography in those isn't great, but the action scenes are still staged well. But if you watch like martial arts, anything where it's like hand to hand combat. You don't ever want it to be choppily edited ever again, right? Because like mm -hmm. this is just so bone crushing, and like it really emphasizes that feeling of the camera feeling like a character in the fight because it really emphasizes the talent of the actors and lets the choreography speak for itself without having to feel cheap with stuntmen and cutting around the action. And I, I just love that so much. And I mentioned earlier, since I'm already talking about it, when um, I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Arrow. It was a CW, and I know CW gets a lot of crap, but Arrow had really great and like sophisticated fight scenes, and the stuntmen were like made all the actors watch the raid because the raid like changed the game. It was this micro budget Indonesian action film made by a Welsh director who happened huh. to live there, and Gareth Evans is he's great. His other stuff has really great choreography too, and so it really started this new wave of like, hey, let's. Let's bring martial arts back. Let's bring real martial arts back. Let's emphasize talent on screen with stuntmen behind the scenes. And when that new wave kind of started happening, like in little bits of TV and little bits of movies, then you had stuntman directors come forward, like Chad Stahelski, who made the John Wick trilogy, right? And mm -hmm. we got Atomic Blonde. And you've kind of seen this push for more like realistic action. We got it in the Captain America movies, right? Yeah. The fight sequences are kind of coming back into an art form, not something just to chaply edit. Now, I love the Jason Bourne movies, right? But they kind of started that whole trend of like, let's edit everything to death. And it worked for those movies, but it kind of started that. In my opinion, lazy trend in Hollywood to just over edit and overshoot everything to death when you have these guys who have eight black belts that can just do it in one take, you know? So I just really respect the heck out of the movies for the impact that they had that people don't really realize that they had. And there's other evidence and stuff you can look up where people reference them, but I, I love it so much. It's funny that you mentioned that because I hadn't really you know, dove into as far as trends with fight sequences goes. But I remember when I was in college and the first time I watched the Bourne Identity, I watched the, all three Bourne movies kind of back to back to back. And I remember being like, what is up with this? these fight scenes? They're so weird. Like I just, it, it just yeah. seems so out there and off the wall to me. And I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't realize there was something going on there. And I remember talking to my roommate about it. He said, "He's like, have you watched the Bourne movies yet?" I said, "Yeah, but man, what's up with those fight scenes?" He's like, "Oh man, I thought they were the best fight scenes I've ever seen." He's like, "No, they're not. They're horrible." Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now, now that I've, you know, this is back in 2008, so I'm a little bit now. I've learned something. That that's why I hated those fight scenes in, the, in those movies because it's, just, it's it's all shaky cam and like quick cuts. And the first two movies like do it. The first one's okay. The second one does it so much because they almost do it like a documentary quick cut montage. And they do it better in the Born Ultimatum because they emphasize the sound design with it. But it's still like, I just watched the trilogy with my wife like a couple weeks ago. 
And I spoiled her now because I point stuff out and she has no background in film or anything like that. And she's like, yeah, it's too much shaky cam. I can't do it. And she complains about shaky cam all the time now. And I've showed her a couple fights from the raid and she's like, that's how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love my wife. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious, man, what, what did you think about them as a whole? And like, I know this is your podcast, but I'm like way too curious to not ask. Like, what did you think about them as a whole? And I remember reading, you thought the choreography was pretty great. So I'm curious as to your thoughts. Yeah. Before we go any further, I just want to let everybody know that, that pretty much everything after this is going to be very spoilerific. So if you haven't watched th- these movies, go watch them, find some way to watch them, and then come back to us. However, <laughs> they're very graphic as far as the, the violence goes. I mean, they're very bloody. There's like it's, it's this legit like. So if that kind of stuff is makes you a little squeamish, don't watch them. I get these it. Are not for you. These are not for you. But this is manly movies, so we're going to talk about them. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. End of the spoiler warning. Man, that's that was the main thing that I really noticed as far as the action goes was the fight sequences were so visceral and just I was amazed. It because and like you said, it was. Very similar to a lot of the movies that were coming out in the 70s and 80s where people were actually trained to do you know, mm-hmm. these kinds of stunts. And they'd kind of gotten away from that. So it was kind of a throwback. And that's why I really enjoyed it was those fight scenes were just like they felt so real. I, I, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen anything that real in so long. But, you know, there's so many elements, though, with, with the two brothers and you know, the, the family aspect and, and so mm-hmm. just kind of the action was what hooked me but the family stuff and and the brothers like I mean, that that's what really stuck with me you yeah. know what i mean that's what i i think that's what i appreciate is they're not brainless like I, I remember watching this with some other friends in college one time and they we watched the dub of course they insisted we watch it dubbed and <laughs> you know how i feel about that i like to Watching the original language with subtitles just because it's less distracting for me. And the first movie opens with you know him doing that crazy training, and he's he's it emphasizes like his family. He's doing this like go for get his brother. You don't know it's his brother at the time, but he kisses his pregnant wife goodbye. He kisses his pregnant wife's belly and just like emphasizes the family. And that emotional through line carries until the end of the second movie. Mm-hmm. That that is his main focus the whole time. And the twist with the brother. <laughs> so I didn't pick up as on, on as many details the first time I watched it because I watched it on my laptop, was distracted by my phone and all that. And so when his brothers pull it out, it's when he when he meets him in the warehouse or whatever, <laughs> that twist got me so good the first time I watched it. And now I rewatched it and I'm like, oh, it's telegraphed heavily that that's his brother. But I completely missed that <laughs> the first time I watched it. So I just, I love it so much. And then how the second one opens, yikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But not to steal the train away from you, but I, I totally agree on the family element. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think initially with me, I had not seen them. They just weren't really up on my list before. And I don't know, for some reason, I, I think I might have gotten them mixed up with like The Purge, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like That makes sense. It, they just seemed like they weren't like kind of very, kind of like The Expendables, you know, the yeah. very... Heavy action, but not a whole lot of substance there. But, I mean, the last time I watched The Expendables, I got quite a bit out of it, as we talked about. Yeah. Which, um, that that episode will be released at a later date, closer to whenever this other movie comes out, which I don't know when that'll be. But then when you mentioned them, I was like, well, maybe I I need to give these movies a shot. I mean, I'd like to talk about them anyway. And so I looked them up, and I I pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes, and they're like 87 and 82%, both of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang. These are like legit. Yeah. You don't ever see that for an action movie either. So yeah. uh, I was definitely pleasantly surprised when I got to sit down and watch them. People ask me sometimes as like an action movie fan, they're like, well, what's your favorite fight scene? You talk about fight scenes. And I'm like, well, the best one I'd ever seen was at the end of the first raid movie, the fight between Mad Dog Rama and mm-hmm. uh, his brother. And I was like, that can never be topped. Right. But then the kitchen brawl at the end of the raid two, I think actually tops it. Really? I do. I do. There's, I think my sole reason for that being is because it's one-on-one. You avoid the problem of like one of them gets kicked really hard and then he's like on the ground writhing in pain while the other one fights and gets beat up and then they switch. 
they do, he does a good job separating. They do a good job with the choreography, kind of like making that believable with some of the hits they take. But I think the cinematography and the budget shows more in the kitchen fight and the way they build tension. But what will amaze you about both of them and why I'm okay with either of them swapping in my head from time to time is the guy who wrote and directed the movie, Gareth Evans, he also edited the movies. So he edited both those fight sequences together himself. Like, nice. <laughs> it's just insane to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're both like top tier cream of the crop. And because of those movies, those actors have gone on to have very successful careers. The guy who played Mad Dog and the guy who played Rama, they were in The Force Awakens. They have a cameo, their Conja Club, where the, the guy that says, tell that Conja Club, and Han Solo turns around in The Force Awakens. They're those guys that have had Iko Uwe, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's been in a bunch of American action movies now. Like It launched them into success for a reason. It's because mm-hmm. they're, they're so talented at what they do. Yeah, you know, I think what's funny is you mentioned the, the, the fight scene, and I'm just starting to think of, you know, to me, three of, I'm not going to say the three best, but to me, three of the most memor- most memorable fight scenes I've ever seen, and I'm including this one, they all include two-on-one. Yeah. So I'm I'm going with the raid, the the two on one fight that we just talked about, uh, the duel of the fates from uh, Phantom Menace, yep, and Iron Man versus Captain America and Bucky, Civil War, in, uh, yeah. in Civil War, like mm. those man, <laughs> I, I could watch those over and over and over again, and with that John Williams score in the background on the the see and and you know I, I bag on the prequels a lot. <laughs> but that scene is so good to me. Like yeah. that, that, the pod racing and that scene are like the two most amazing things that that movie has going for it. Oh, no disagreements <laughs> here for me there. I think everybody <laughs> could agree with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, so yeah, I just, I love that scene. I love the civil war, you know, three way fight scene. And, and then this one is a third one that I can add to that, you know, two on one list I have going. So, and I think it's just too, cool to it's, see. It's cool, and I think because it it makes directors, it makes fight scenes more complicated. Like they can't just be like it can't just be a mindless brawl, right? Like they have to solve the problem of like okay, if you have them all fighting at once, eventually they're going to have to separate because that would happen in real life. Like how do you keep escalating it? And in any fight in the raid, they do that perfectly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just yeah, it's awesome. And dude. It, the final kill in the first one when they when they finally beat him when they stab him with the light and then they like ooh that's gnarly <laughs> like uh, I don't know if you ever played Mortal Kombat but every time I watch it I'm just like fatality <laughs> yikes uh, but it's but it's also like a huge like in the theater with a bunch of like students everybody cheered and clapped when it happened because they were just that mesmerized mm-hmm. which just goes to show you that people aren't used to that level of caliber. At least back then, a fight scenes. I think that's changed a little bit now. But the raid, I, I feel, kind of did that. Yeah, and you know, I, there's also I'm going to keep talking about fight scenes. <laughs> there's also that scene in the I'm, I'm going to call it a coliseum, but it was it was like it was in the prison, but it was like oh. in the big field, like in the mud, basically. <laughs> and yeah. I, what. What that reminded me of was there's you know scenes from like 300, uh, mm-hmm. Braveheart, Last of the Mohicans, like a lot of movies do huge brawls like that. Mm-hmm. That, but but that movie, but, but this movie that took that up to eleven, man. Like it was yeah. just so. You wonder why to avoid a prison brawl? Watch the raid too. <laughs> I mean, you got you got dudes with like shanks everywhere. I did. Not to get like too graphic on your podcast, but you had like a dude like pulling a guy's jaw apart, like yeah, just like it was. And at points, I've heard the criticism of these movies is like the, the violence is too much, and I I can get that as like a personal criticism, but I also think the movie uses violence to emphasize how dark it is in comparison to what the characters are trying to accomplish, like as policemen, as a family man, he's trying to be a good person in this world. And there's just this sadistic violence anyway. It's it's almost like a commentary on violence to a point. And it reaches it, it reaches its head at the end of the second one where they say the only way this ends is if you put these guys down, right? That, that, that's the whether you agree with that or not, that's that's what the movie decides. And 
when he's listening to the other cop. And so he does that. And then when the other gangsters show up and you don't hear what they say intentionally, uh, because they're basically offering him a job. They're commanding him. They're saying, Hey, come work for us. That's what you take them soon. It ends with him saying, no, I'm done. I'm done with the violence. The cycle of violence ends with me. It stops here. And I appreciate that. It's not just like senseless in the sense of like, it's not just done for shock value. It's there, but it did have a point and they reached that point. They made it very well in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like Quentin Tarantino on steroids, basically. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like he would like these movies. Oh yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he probably watches them. Oh yeah. He's, he's like a super cinema nerd, man. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of cool how nerdy he is about movies, considering he's like such a popular filmmaker. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a huge nerd for real. Yeah. I remember he was a guest on American Idol one year back when I actually used to watch that. <laughs> and when Good they time. were doing like songs from the movies or whatever, and just hearing him in the background talking, like he was like a behind the scenes coach to these people, to these kids. And just the stuff that he was saying, like it was just the dude is legit. <laughs> like mm-hmm. He's like, you can say whatever you want to about his movies or whatever. But I mean, his movies are good though. Like they're, yeah. they're legit. But I mean, a lot of people get turned off by him because he is very over the top in a lot of his stuff. Yeah. But he's a smart dude. <laughs> he's a, he's a yeah. film nerd. And you can see some Kill Bill influences. I feel like in these, especially in the second one, uh-huh. um, less of the, like this like spaghetti western like exploitation samurai film kind of thing but more like just the the style of the violence and how it's done but it's never done cheaply it's always done like oh this is if we're going to show somebody being stabbed we're going to show being somebody being stabbed the violence is very real it's over the top but it's never like unbelievable you know what i mean like yeah anyway so it's it's definitely not for the faint of heart but it's also pretty gnarly (laughs) it's yeah really cool well, let's get into some of the softer aspects of the of the films. What are some manly moments in the first one that just really stuck out to you as you were watching it this this time around? The I can't ever remember their names. The guy who uh, Joe Taslim plays in the first one. Joe Taslim is another martial arts actor who is phenomenal. He just played Sub Zero in the new Mortal Kombat reboot. He's great. Jaka. Jaka. That's what it is. It just came to me as soon as I said that. He. I love his character in the first movie and I absolutely hate it when he dies. It breaks my heart every time, but like how he stands up to corruption and basically uh-huh. does everything he can to like save his men, despite it being a horrible situation and still being like a very fearless leader and like standing his ground. And then I think the, <laughs> on the sense of like just being like, man, that's, that's really cool. When mad dog pulls a gun out on him and he pulls a knife, basically like challenging his pride you know, to a fight and then he loses, but he stands his ground and he doesn't waver the whole time. And I think Rama is another good example of that, but that's, that's two big things from him that I recall. And then of course with Rama, um, he's going for his brother the entire time. Like, yeah, he's doing his job as a policeman, but he's rescuing his brother. And he, despite what his brother did, he still loves him unconditionally and is willing to say, Hey, come home. Hey, come home. And in a very loose way, it reminds me of the story of the prodigal son in a way. Despite mm. despite what that what awful stuff he's into, what awful stuff you see him do, they're like bring him home. He's our son, bring him home. You know? yeah. And I just that touches me even more now that I'm a dad. So yeah, that, that's some stuff that sticks out to me. Other than the general like cool fight, you know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You're talking about Jaka. That that initial standoff, the survivors, including Jaka and Rama. They were gathering up all the ones who were still alive but wounded and made sure that they got out first and foremost. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have easily just left them there <laughs> because you know they're going to slow you down. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, they, they knew that their lives were important and that they were precious. And so they wanted to make sure that they pushed them and got them out first because, because they they can't get around very good because they can't fend for themselves like they can. So they have a better chance of living. So, I mean, it was just, that was just cool to me to see that. And I know that's typical soldier brotherhood, but it's Mm -hmm. just cool to see that in film because I think a lot of people, even though that's what you're supposed to do in the battlefield, 
that's not necessarily what a lot of people probably will do because you know when you get in the heat of the moment and people people get scared <laughs> and they start looking out for number one and i right. get that so that just that hit me there that had compassion for their brothers llama when he takes out all those guys by himself okay that's <laughs> that's not that, that was on pure adrenaline that was just cool to, to watch but when he but when he does that he, he takes out all those guys all by himself just running on pure adrenaline and he stumbles into the hall afterwards and he starts seeing his wife and his and her pregnant belly just that just flashes in his head mm-hmm. with his kid who he hasn't even met yet so he just went through all this and that's the first thing that he thought of when he got done. Oh, okay, I'm still alive, <laughs> and I can I can see them one of these days. <laughs> so yeah, I like that. And it's like in this kind of going off that one. It's like in the second one when he goes undercover in the prison. They say we'll have you out in a few months, and he's in there for two years. And uh-huh. uh, once he gets undercover, you know he he immediately rips out the bug because they were dumb dumb enough to put bugs in his clothes. And then he gets to the room. He plays music loud. The first thing he does is he calls his family. Mm-hmm. When he's when he's like safe and by himself, and they continue that emotional through line through line of family coming first, and him ultimately that that is his driving force to do all of that through the whole movie and to avenge his brother too. Um, and something there's two other moments in the in the second one that stand out to me, and one is not a manly moment. I would say it's like a very not manly moment. It's kind of like a reverse thing, but it's it's a commentary on like. I would say it's a very subtle commentary. I want to be careful, like saying it's this like great theme. But the character, I can't remember his name. It's a guy who played Mad Dog in the first one. He plays another character in the second one. Um, it's a guy with the big bushy hair and like long beard, and he's like the assassin for hire that the, mm. they have. They have him killed to like start the war. There's a scene where he meets with his wife, and she's like, "You know, we can't be around you because of what you do, and we don't want your blood money. We know where it comes from." And he's basically just like, I know what I am. You know what I am. I can't change. Here's my money. I'm trying. And that's an example of like what not to do, you know, right? That's, that's not manly. That's not the, the example we want to see. And then it gets killed because he won't change, right? Yeah. And he, he was a decently honorable man, but because he chose the life he did, it got him killed and he was manipulated into starting even more senseless violence. And Rama is the exact opposite of that, right? His family is his driving force. He's doing things reluctantly he doesn't want to do, and he wants to change. So they're kind of like polar opposites. That just came to me, I promise. I did not think about it until right now. But uh, that's pretty cool. And then another like mirror image of Rama is if he can't get out, if he doesn't do what they says, uh, do what they say. I can't remember the other cop's name either. You find he's he's like the top henchman. Uh, in the raid suit, and you find out he was an undercover cop as well, and they thought he went dirty. Can't remember his name, but anyway, they they find that out. He he finds that out, and uh, he you basically just see that he got in too deep and he couldn't get out. He never actually turned. He, there was just no way out for him, and he that's when he tells him like, "Hey, you've got to you've got to do this. Don't be like me. Be better, basically, and do what I couldn't do and stop this from happening." And what that says to Rama and what he should do not just for himself and for his city and for like crime, but for his family first and foremost to make them safe, to keep them safe. I think it's huge. For sure. Yeah. You go back to that first one when I got to talk about the brother acts, but man, yeah. when, when, when they first, they realize that they're brothers and I mean, actually they, they rec- recognize each other and, that was a surprise because he didn't realize he was going after him. But when he, they just sat there and they had this heart to heart discussion, basically kind of pleading for him to come home and quit this life. And then, you know, Rama just says out of the blue, he just said, Hey, you're going to be an uncle. Like, it's just all, all, everything that's going on. <laughs> he wants to talk about his kid, right? Yeah. yeah. And he says, you get this, this soft little tender moment between two brothers in the middle of all this chaos where they're just talking about their lives and, mm-hmm. and what what's going on in their lives and the stuff that we probably take for granted, you know, when we're small talking with our you know siblings or whatnot, you know, we, we might just mention something to them or even when we tell them that we have, we're having a baby, but 
the fact that he chose to do that at this moment, it just, it really speaks to me because you know how important family is when, when that's what you want to talk about in the middle of all this. Yeah. That and I think, I think continuing that theme again, exactly. They do that again in the second one. You know, when I mentioned when he calls his family before he does anything else, he hears yep. his son playing in the background and he says, don't put him on. Just let me hear him. And then they play, there's a soft piano like reprise that they use a bunch of times in the raid two. It's like the theme of the movie. I, I don't remember if it's in the first one, but anyway, they play that chord right there when he hears him. And every time they use it, it's his inspiration moment. It's his like, okay, I got to keep going. And it's his family. It's reminding his family is his driving force. And like that scene hit me completely different watching it this time. Cause now I know what those sounds mean to me as a dad. And so you go from the brother relationship, which is, which is always able to capture me in movies because I grew up with two brothers. Uh-huh. And then you have the, the fatherhood aspect in the second one that is, is hit home really hard. So it just works for me <laughs> in every way. Plus all the carnage that ensues. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. Like anytime, any movie that features brothers, I, I, it's always going to hit me hard because sure. I, I grew up with two brothers too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, some of my favorite movies are like Rain Man and what's uh, Mark Wahlberg and Four Brothers? Christian Bell. Well, that one too, but oh. uh, the boxer movie. Oh, uh, The Fighter. The Fighter. Yeah. yeah. Dude, like, I just, I love it. That's yeah. I just, I always, I'm, I'm always a sucker for stuff like that. Yeah. And so with this film to see, you know, their relationship and them having to fight it out, but then he also is taking care of him, even though mm-hmm. they, they have are on completely opposite sides of the wall. You know, Andy's done some pretty messed up things. Rama's mm-hmm. still there for him. And that three-way fight scene we were just talking about, which yep. um, I don't, I guess we didn't mention that those were the two brothers fighting on one side and mad dog was on the other side. So they, when push came to shove, it was the two brothers versus, versus the bad guy. So that was, yeah. That was cool. And then their embrace at the end of the movie. When I just watched that scene, they ended up walking away and going, living their separate lives. But it just, it hit me because it doesn't matter which side they're on. Good brothers are always going to stick together, no matter what their differences are. I mean, that bond that they have is always going to bring them, bring them together. Yep. Um, Andy's part of this mob. But they fight side by side (laughs) and then they go their separate ways. And then I think he says, in this world, I can protect you. Can you do the same for me and yours? And that's kind of like why he lets him go. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, that hits hard. And then it gets to be where that was not true at all (laughs) in the second one, which (laughs) sucks because it's like, man, if he had gone with him, he could have protected him. And that Mm -hmm. fuels even more of that agency. And I think some other you know, you see in a lot of like Asian cinema or even just like Godfather crime movies with crime lords, like respect is like a huge thing, like mm-hmm. among the men, like the, the crime lords and stuff mm-hmm. and the scenes where it's like the triads in the, um, the, the Yakuza and the Indonesian cartel that's there. There's a huge level of respect between them and the, the main uh, boss, uh, Uko's dad. He's like doing everything he can to prevent the war. He apologizes. He gives up land. He gives money. And his whole reasoning for that is like when he was young, he started these wars. He started all this stuff. And now he knows that the bloodshed is senseless. You know, I mean, they're crime lords at the end of the day. But at the same time, like he's trying to do it in a better way and trying to help his son see that, clean up his son's mess. Mm-hmm. And so he, he knows his son isn't ready because that's what his son wants, right? He wants respect to the point of violence. and Unfortunately, when he when his son messes things up even worse, he he beats him half to death, right? And then that just leads his son to killing him. So it's like his dad trying to make a better way as a man, but is so caught up in the sin that he's caught up in that he ends up creating an even worse monster in his son. And his mm-hmm. ultimate response to that makes that monster become fully unleashed, right? Yeah, it just goes to show you how important that that role is of fatherhood and being a man to your son and how that can go to disastrously wrong with approval or lack of approval and like what you're teaching them. You know? and being a crime Lord may not be the best way. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, and we've seen that's kind of a trope 
in that the father, the godfather, <laughs> while he may be this crime boss and crime lord or whatever, there's also a deep level of respect with him, with Bangin in this movie, and with, uh, gosh, <laughs> Marlon Brando in yeah. The Godfather. There, there's this level of respect, and there is an aura that they have. They're very zen, you know what I mean? Like, the, mm-hmm. they, they don't, they're very temperate. They're not going to fly off the handle. They're going to take things, and they're going to process them, and they're going to react after they've you know thought it through mm-hmm. but you know his son is basically following in his footsteps but he's cranking it up to 11 he's the dad but a lot worse you know what i mean and that's yeah. the same thing with michael corleone was the same he was al pacino's character in the godfather he was just like his dad but he was more of a loose cannon than his dad so that's i can see how that happens you know we follow in our parents footsteps but we go a step further. So, like, yeah, absolutely. So that's why, I mean, that shows the importance of just doing the right thing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So well, maybe they will follow in our footsteps and do better than us instead of following our footsteps and doing worse than us. So. And Rama sees this with Uko. He sees this destructive nature. And what's, what's Rama's whole motivation the whole time? His son. Mm-hmm. And that plays in his decision at the end to kill everyone <laughs> but you know, to, but he's trying to make make a better way and keep his son safe and when he says no i'm done he's making the decision not to be like those other guys he's going to be different yeah and one thing you mentioned about whenever he called his you know first thing he wanted to do was call his wife mm-hmm. and you know don't put her on i just want to listen to her play man <laughs> it's just and and he puts his finger in the other ear mm-hmm. when he has his other while he has the other ear to the phone because he doesn't want to hear anything else anything else in the background but he wants to hear his child and and listen to them play and I mean that's just the best man like yeah. just just listening to them play and and especially when they're when they're talking to their toys and stuff it's just like there's nothing better than that but yeah. I think that. He just he just wanted to be transported into another place in order to refuel him to keep going. He needed that. That was him just going, finding a happy a happy space, shutting out everything that was going on, so he can get that fuel going. And and, and like you said, that was his driving force. But he needed to hear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, you can only get so much from imagination. So yeah. You make that phone call. You listen to your listen to your kid listen to your wife okay i'm ready to go now <laughs> <It's cool. laughs> yeah for sure and then Percoso, that was his name that was mad dog's name in the raid two okay yeah i could not remember the that got killed yeah and that scene after he got killed when banging the dad he says to his son that he never took this job serious personally and all that he cared about was his family. So we will take care of his family and we will not retaliate his death. Yep. That, like I said, man, it, the, the man is respectful. Yep. He, he, he's going to respect what was important to him was the family and not like he, he never took this job personally. So why should I avenge his death? It's not personal. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be personal. We, and, and all you're going to do is just create more chaos in this. And you know, we can just go biblical and say, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Yep. We aren't supposed to seek vengeance because all it does is make things worse yep. and, and puts more people in danger. And so all this man wanted to do was take care of this man, take care of Procoso's family. And that's, that's what we should do. Like, I mean, those people that were close to us, that, that's the one thing that we should be focused on is, well, how is their family doing? Let's go visit them. Let's let's pray for them. Well, what can we do for them? You know, that's mm-hmm. that's, that's how we all are. I mean, that's yeah. how we're wired, but not his son. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he, it leads to his own demise. You know, he's, he realized, 
and he's not even smart enough to realize who put the bug in his wallet at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Good stuff, man. Yep. What else about these movies sticks out to you? I'd be remiss if I didn't at least talk about the car chase in the in the second one. Oh, um, yeah. If you get a chance, maybe I can send it to you when we're done. There's like a three or four minute clip of how they shot that. And so they it had a bigger budget, but they had some pretty complicated moves they do. There's a shot where the camera goes into, in it's like outside the car, it goes into the car, does some action, goes outside of the car and into another car, and then outside the car again to show behind the car, right? I may have a couple of the moves messed up, but anyway, that's essentially what happens. Yeah. And if you like how they did it, it's all while they're on the freeway moving, they strapped stuntmen to the side of the cars who passed the camera the entire way oh while the cars gosh. are moving. Like they're wow. just hanging on outside and they're like waving and they like pass it. Super complicated. It looks amazing. And just the practical stunts that they achieved with like, no, I don't even recall like a single CGI shot unless some of the blood is. What they accomplished with that is just incredible. So I, I highly encourage you to look that up because that car cheese is like, that's when the movie like kicks into high gear for the third act. You know, it's about to go down, and I just, I just love it. I feel like it was really high stakes, like good action. That was a little bit different because you know that movie. It's a lot of action movies in one. You got like the prison fight, you got the gang war, you got car chase, you got the big one on one kung fu showdown. You know, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I I could actually, I I love car chases, and I can actually just go and watch a car chase from a movie. I don't, and not even watch the movie. Like, yeah, I, I've probably the movie baby driver the oh, uh yeah. that opening scene mm-hmm. uh where they you know rob the bank and and then they all get in the car and he's listening to the to the music and his the uh, bell bottoms that song <laughs> and all the cool moves he does in that car man I, i've watched those six minutes probably a hundred times yeah and i've only seen the movie twice <laughs> but nice. but that scene is so cool i just love it uh, i remember watching that with my wife and she loves that that scene too. So, but anyway, that's I, I'm I, I'm gonna go back and watch that car chase now, and then I'm yeah. gonna find that video that you're talking about. That sounds yeah, because it just how they shot it in general, like shooting stuff close quarters like that. It's a way to do the crazy choreography, but still make it feel different. And it's like darkly humorous too. Like they, they're shooting at each other, and then like they both run out of ammo, and it's all about who can reload fastest is who's yeah. gonna end up getting uh, the kill. You know, and like he keeps using the seat belt to hold. There's one specific henchman in the car. Every time he wakes up from getting knocked out, Rama knocks him out again and like does something with the seat belt. He's like, ah, the whole time. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's just like little, little bits of humor that carry you through the scene, even though it's like terrible what's happening, but it's fun. Oh, I always appreciate levity in the middle of dramatic and, you know, life or death situations. Especially in these movies, because there's a lot of seriousness to go around. For sure. Well, cool, man. I'm glad we could talk about them. And these, yeah, man. These thanks for being willing to watch them. Yeah, and I'll I'll probably uh, revisit them from time to time because I really did. I really did like all the action. It was cool. I just wish they would do a dubbing that actually sounds good <laughs> because yeah. the one I watched for the, which I watched, I think the first one I I watched it in the original language. I think you sent me that. The mm-hmm. second one. I had to watch on HBO Max and it was dubbed and <laughs> at first, what's funny is for some reason I was able to watch it in the original language for a while and watch it with English subtitles mm-hmm. but then something happened and then <laughs> and then it started and, and, and then I started watching it in the in Spanish oh and my gosh. And and I couldn't change it. Like I I, I tried. Like a, that was the only option available was, was Spanish or English. Actually, I couldn't even watch um, dubbed anymore. I don't know if if something happened with the torrent for that movie. The HBO Max was putting out. If they had to change it for for the rights or something, I don't mm-hmm. know. But I just remember in the middle of it, like because I I had to stop watching it at one point mm-hmm. and then re and then pick it up like on my lunch break or something, and then. I remember watching it and and I was reading the subtitles. It was English subtitles, and I was like, "That's Spanish." Like I I, I, knew, I knew it was Spanish just by <laughs> listening because I because I, I can I mean I know a lot of Spanish, 
And so right. I was just like, that is, that's, that's not Indonesian. <laughs> that, that is Spanish. And so yeah. I, I clicked options and I saw that's what it was. It was like, it was in Spanish. That was so weird. Yeah. yeah I, I want to, I want to watch it. The original language. If not, yeah. I would like to have a good English dubbing. <laughs> like, cause, yeah. cause there's some, there's some movies like some of the anime movies <clears throat> have some really good dubs. Oh, when it comes to anime, I'm like, I prefer dubs actually, because yeah. part of that is just because when I was young and I watched a lot of anime, I always watched dubs. That's what we had for live action movies. There's the uncanny valley factor of like the, when you're watching lips move, your eyes trained instinctually like match with match up with the words and then they don't. I'm more forgiving of it than others because I'm also a big Godzilla fan. And I grew up watching the dubs because that's all we had. Now, obviously, you watch the subs and you realize they're superior, right? But even going back, watching some of the dubs now, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of fond of this just because of my childhood, right? Mm -hmm. But it's harder to do in live action than it is animation, for sure. And that's why I was just like, I had seen the dub for the first one. And I was like, man, please, just trust me. I don't want it to, like, sour the movie for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I like, she reminds me of the old Kung Fu movies. Yeah, uh, that I used to watch when I was a kid. It was like they were, mm-hmm. <laughs> their lips were just constantly moving, and it would just be yeah. like, "How are you?" or something like. <laughs> have you ever seen uh Have you ever seen Police Story with Jackie Chan? It's been on my list for the longest time. I still haven't oh. watched them yet. I watched it for the first time at my at our film club a couple months ago, and, and there was a couple times that the mouths were not right. It didn't sound right. Like that doesn't even sound like Jackie Chan. And then there was a couple of the sound effects were off. It's a fantastic movie, by the way. One of the best action movies I've ever seen. Highly recommend. Okay. Um, I actually bought the Criterion immediately after I saw it because I loved it so much. Nice. But come to find out, uh, most action mo- Hong Kong action movies shot in the 80s were actually shot without sound. And they completely dubbed everything later. They did it to save costs. Huh. And I'm like, so any, any Hong Kong action movie from that period you watch is more than likely completely dubbed over. And then I was impressed because I was like, oh, they actually did pretty good considering everything was analog back then, right? Wow. So, yeah, I don't know what that made me think of that, but the more you know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I do want to watch those because. You should. I know the first one came out the year I was born, and I, I try to watch a lot of movies from that year just to kind of, I don't know. I feel a kindred spirit to them. I don't know. Jackie Chan's so entertaining, too. Plus, the choreography is good, the stunts. And that one man, like Jackie Chan, almost died making that movie. Like, it's really, insane. yeah. There's a stunt he does at the end. I don't want to spoil it for you, but he does it. Damn, look up his injuries afterwards. He like shattered his pelvis. He had like third degree burns on his hands. Like it was bad, and it's it's really cool to see. Wow. So maybe a future episode sometime. Oh yeah, sounds good. We'll we'll, we'll do that for sure. So now we've got Police Story, uh, Boondock Saints, and maybe just so- maybe. Something Arnold Schwarzenegger eventually. I've got something to Schwarzenegger. Something Schwarzenegger. And I'm hoping that the Samaritan movie will be good enough that we can do something on that. Because that movie looks really cool. Uh, it does. I actually have uh, a buddy of mine is actually in it. We weren't we weren't like close friends, but um, he, was, uh, he was a decent friend. He actually asked me to edit one of his films one time and it ended up not working out. But we went to church together and he got to share a scene with Stallone in this movie. So I'm excited to see if he made the final cut. So nice. I'm looking forward to it. That, that comes out well i don't know when you listen to this episode it'll probably already be out so we'll see <laughs> but we don't see an episode it probably wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. uh well cool um well i guess just let everybody know before we get off how they can get in touch with you you know where they can find your work yeah uh, probably several different avenues there yeah i definitely uh i do a couple little things the small stuff I occasionally write for viralhair.com. I occasionally write reviews there uh, for film and TV. My buddy Lamont English and I, uh, also known as Anthony English, I think he's done an episode with you before. We have a kind of a podcast format YouTube channel called Nerd City Central. We have a very, <laughs> very inconsistent release schedule as uh, you know, both have families and everything. But we kind of do long form discussions about nerd content. But my primary avenue of creative content right now is my YouTube channel. It's called Curinator Productions. And I do primarily film reviews and occasional TV reviews of like the big streaming shows that come out. I'm in the process of trying to do themed months where I film a bunch of content ahead of time 
and uh, release a video every day. Right now, as of this recording, I'm preparing for the new Dragon Ball Z movie coming out. And uh, in October, I'm planning to do like a Halloween like month special, like covering horror movies. Horror's not really my thing, so it's going to be fun to kind of go outside my comfort zone. And I uh, may do a Christmas one, but I, I'm very passionate about my particular brand of criticism and just doing it because I love it and I went to school for it. And my motto is always look for the good. And because uh, JB had a cooler one that I wanted, but uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? Not every five stars created equal. Is that your yeah. thing? Yeah, not yeah. all five stars are created equal. That's what it is. Because yeah. you said that one time, I was like, that's amazing. And you're like, and that's actually like my thing. And I was like, oh. Dang it. That actually got me I was just, I mean, I was just giving you crap, man. You can say that. I don't care. You can say that anytime you want. And you don't even have to say my name. (laughs) It's funny because when we had that conversation, it made me think like, I feel like I need something like that. I feel like all these other YouTubers have something. And people told me like, you tend to be positive. Like even when you hate something, like you tend to look for something positive. And that's how I choose to approach criticism. Unless I absolutely hate something, right? It's, It's hard. But I try to always look for the good. So I appreciate any likes and subscribes. Again, that's Coronator uh, Productions. So, yeah, appreciate anything. Thanks for letting me do that plug. Yeah, man. It's all good. JB's a big fan of my prequel trilogy reviews. Uh, <laughs> 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 I spent a long time on those, actually. If you ever, if you ever care to watch, you'll just dis- you'll disagree with all of me. But I will watch them. <laughs> that's all I'll say. I will take the I will take the watch time. I'll I'll try to I'll try to watch them anyway. I actually. I didn't go through all of them this year. I I kind of get on kicks. It's it's kind of an every other year thing. I go through mm-hmm. all the Star Wars. I, I did in 20, 2019 to prepare yeah. for the new one. And then I did it again last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if I watched any in 2020 or not. But this year, all I did was I watched Empire on May the 5th. Or, yeah, May the 4th, excuse me. Yeah. But next year, I'm probably going to go through all of them again. And I guess when I do that, I'll watch reviews just to... Me maybe, maybe I can make him make you appreciate him a little more. Yeah, I do like the third one. The third one's cool. That's my that's my favorite one. So I could actually just start at the third one and then watch everything. <laughs> honestly, you, you could. You <laughs> honestly could. I'm I'm not going to deny that some of it's unnecessary. I, I'm not going to deny that. Or at least just watch the pod racing and the duel of fates and listen to the Weird Al Yankovic song. <laughs> and <laughs> because it covers the whole thing, that song. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's funny. <laughs> well, cool. You guys know how to find me on the socials, JB Huffman, and then you know, Manly Movies. Obviously, you're listening to this, and you know my other podcast, the uh, SEC Tavern Talk, which we're about to start that up soon. Probably when you listen to this, we would have already started it up. So this is dumb for me to say, but I'm not going to edit that out because I don't care. What's that podcast? SEC Tavern Talk. What it's do you guys cover there? SEC Sports. Okay, that's what I thought. I just want to be sure. I'm not a sports guy, so I wanted to be sure I wasn't like I think that's sports, but yeah. <laughs> so you're cool. not a you're not a Duke or North Carolina fan or anything? I grew up an NC State fan. Okay. So that probably tells you enough right there that that kind of killed sports for me. <laughs> uh, no, say, I'm sorry. Stepped on. No, no, you're subject. Fine. Born, born and bred red, but that passion is dead. Is what I'm saying now. <laughs> Um, my, my grandfather went to NC state and my older brother went to NC state. So we have like, it's like a family reason why. And, you know, people take sports very seriously. I don't dislike it. I'm just, I just am kind of like, yeah, I'll go to a game. I'll watch a game here and there, but just not something I'm like into. And when you get picked on for wearing a state shirt in middle school, it's like, come on, man. And that just kind of <laughs> killed it for me. So, and, but I will say, even though I don't care as much, uh, Tar Heel fans are the worst and you can leave this on. <laughs> <laughs> I won't deny that they're the absolute worst. But I live in Alabama, and I would have to say that Alabama fans are the worst. And I'm gonna leave that in there too. <laughs> they are a, they are a close second, and I have a good friend who would agree with you there. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Lamont. He's actually yeah. You said he was on the show. He was on our Black Panther episode. I thought which so, was, which was a really good episode. Uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I'd like to get him back on here. To find a movie that he for him to, to come on for. Oh yeah, but yeah, and uh, guys, if you you know go to his YouTube channel, like and subscribe, 
And if you haven't given us a five-star review yet, go ahead and do that on, on Manly Movies because I'd appreciate it. It really helps grow the show. It's, it's important. Write some nice words and give us a good review. And uh, that'll keep us, or I say keep us, it might make the show relevant <laughs> on iTunes and Spotify. I need but, to do that. I have not done that yet. Now that I think, did I do it? I don't remember now. I don't know unless there's a couple of people that I don't know who it was. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I will double check. And if I haven't, I will definitely do that. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. But uh, everybody listening, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Curry. I started to say Curinator. <laughs> That's fine. You can call me that. <laughs> but glad you were able to make it back on. Me too. Man. We'll do it again some other time. But until next time, all of my brothers out there just remember in every situation no matter what you're going through you've got to man up